The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Taco Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo, whatever you may be celebrating today. We're celebrating just being on the air and being here in the building. Did you get through Star Wars escapade yes last night? Uh, you know what? I didn't watch anything Star Wars last night. You proud of me? I didn't watch anything that had to deal with magic or spells or shooting laser cannons. Didn't do any of that. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. You want to know what I did do last night? Not really, but go ahead. I spent time with some friends creating a fake website for another friend who turns 40 years oh old today. Oh, gosh. You really did? Yes. And then we plastered our neighborhood with flyers, inviting everybody to go visit said that, website. That's so bad, Eric. <laughs> that's so bad. That's something you do when you're 16 on April Fool's Day, not when you're 47 I'm, on May 4th. Not, first of all, I'm not that old, but... <laughs> It was a ton of fun. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Look, wait, did, look, wait, did anyone I have respond been, back to you? I, I mean, have like, been pranked by these friends, and so it's a good opportunity have to you really, be the though, one Eric, doing the pranks. Have they ever sent you a gift card to a restaurant that was closed, and you drove to that said restaurant because you were hungry, <laughs> and you realized that it was shut down, and then the person who gave you the card followed you to the restaurant? Who would do such a thing? Have you been pranked like <laughs> that such? That would be funny to do. Oh, it would be, should, wouldn't it? Should try that sometime. <laughs> you, you absolutely should. I tell you what. Every time you give me a gift card now, I check the balance and I check on Google if it <laughs> actually it is twice. open. I freaking do my research from now on. Did you notice? <laughs> you know, we we appreciate the uh, the card that we got from Adam the intern. Yeah, and he sent us some gift cards, but it didn't say how much was on those. Cards. I actually I do my research on that too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Trust, trust but verify. E- either. <laughs> Either he doesn't love you much or he went really cheap. <laughs> <laughs> the note itself was nice enough. Oh, which is priceless, wasn't it? Okay, that's it great. Was good. No, it was. Uh, thank you to we Adam, the intern, it. for his nice gesture. Uh, hey, I got a question for you. Um, if football does go into this 10-game, or excuse me, this conference game-only schedule, what do you do about rivalries that are outside of that. I was thinking about this today. Like South Carolina and Clemson. One team's from the SEC, the other is from the ACC. Utah and BYU. Um, USC and Notre Dame. Michigan and Notre Dame. Um, Boston College and, I guess, Boston College and Notre Dame. Florida and Florida State as well. Miami and Florida would be another one. What do you do about all those rivalries if you play just conference games? Do you add a plus one? But then it would make it probably uneven, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it could be really hard. Do you um, feel like they're necessary to play? They're, for some states and some regions, those games are as important as any conference game. No question. It's a regional thing. It's bragging rights on the line. There are recruiting, strong recruiting uh, implications. That's true. Right? Yeah. Bragging rights kind of connects and ties into the recruiting implication, doesn't it? I guess that's a good point. Uh, Gary Patterson, head coach of TCU, he weighed in on this idea. I don't remember if we played this. But uh, if, if we did the other day, we apologize, but it's worth playing again. I don't remember playing Gary Patterson. So um, Basically, he's saying that he doesn't think you can do a conference start at one time and a conference start another or only stick to conference games alone. It's, a, I think, a very nearsighted uh, outlook when you, you want to take your own ball home. You know, we want to do what's best for college football. We all kind of, we all kind of generally have to be on the same page when we want to start and how we want to do things. Uh, you can't, you can't have, you can't have, you can't have the ball both ways. Where I want to, I want to take my ball home, but when we're all in a lot of trouble, then we need to be a group together. 
I don't get what he's trying to put here. <laughs> Actually, I don't really either. That 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 soundbite really doesn't make much sense. So, but I look. I, I agree with. Well, I, I think agree. what he is trying to say is like the NCAA as an institution overall says we're all doing this at the same time, and we're all doing these are the guidelines for all of us, which is the right thing to do. Right. I don't understand his whole the ball goes both ways thing. I, that doesn't make sense to me. But I think what he probably what he's trying to say is that there needs to be a universal standard that we're all going to play by. Okay. So, because I agree with him that you can't play all the conferences at different times. That's not going to work. It's going to be too hard. You have to start on the same time. But don't some other conferences have more games than others, or is that not true? Well, some conferences play more conference games than other conferences, yeah. So that, Some only play eight, others play nine. So that would affect, if they were to do a bull season, that would affect it, wouldn't it? Like if you're five in, I don't know, if you're six and five or whatever, and another team is four and six, but, they, they're, but they're one less conference game short, but yet they've had more top 25 wins. Like how do you, who do you reward? How do you reward them? There's a lot that goes into that. I I it's, agree it's because it's picking up steam that there's the idea of that they're going to just play conference games only. Like there is that is definitely picking up steam. Um. Yeah, but if you're a if you're a, Mountain West plays eight conference games. Yeah. Pac-12 plays plays nine. So you're going to have some teams with more wins and losses than another. And you know what? Whatever. How do you determine bowl games? Do you even have bowl games? Yeah, that, that's that's another thing. Is because I don't know if you'll play. Because the season, season doesn't start on time. If you're playing games, regular season games in December, during the typical traditional bowl season, yeah, do all those get pushed into January, or do you just? How do you have the same standard? You have to have six wins. No, that's that's impossible. You're going to eliminate so many teams. But you maybe, say you have but a, maybe that's have the a, point. At least a. Uh, a 500 record. But maybe that's the point, is to eliminate a lot of teams so they can have fewer bowls this season. That they just take top-tier bowls and they take out, like, the, I don't know. ESPN owns a lot of bowls, but they don't own all of them. No. CB, does CBS own bowls, too? or Some. Some are just privately done. They've got their own deals. Yeah, I think you eliminate a lot of teams, and you just cop, you keep the top tier bowls, maybe two bowls per conference, based on like. So, if you're the Nova Home Loans Bowl in Tucson, Arizona, you're not going to. You exist. probably shouldn't yeah. be playing a bowl game, hosting a bowl game this year if everything gets delayed, like we're talking about New Mexico. But bowl. how do you tell them, like, hey, we still want to host a bowl game. We still have sponsors that want to be a part of this. Yeah, it's not going to work. Tell them to to go hike. <laughs> like that's not going to work. You have to. <laughs> or do you use the bowl structure to play some of those non conference games you were supposed to play earlier in the year, but then you do it later later in the year? I don't know. I, that probably wouldn't work either because you'd need more facilities. Well, and so I was reading something from Notre Dame, their AD, and he because uh, he kind of was uh, peppered with the same similar questions of if everybody else is playing non conference games. What do you do? And he was so confident that they were going to have a solution that they'd still be able to have quality football games. Power five quality football games. I'm not sure how you do this either. For example, their power five opponents for this season, Eric, include one from the SEC, that's Arkansas, two from the Pac-12, that's USD and Stanford, traditional, and one from the Big Ten, Wisconsin, six from the ACC, per its agreement with that conference. So only one from the Big Ten. So they're not playing Michigan this year, by the way. Um, by, and then Notre Dame is also scheduled to face Navy of the AAC as well in the season opener on August 29th. Now, that would potentially eliminate the 11th game for Notre Dame should a non-Power 5 league team also eliminate its non-conference games as well. So there's, I think, Notre Dame, BYU. These independent teams are in a lot of trouble. I'm not sure how you're so confident that you can... That you can get away with it. Um, 
He said, quote, we're very comfortable with if, if all goes that way, that being that conference games only are played. He said, we'll be fine. We'll be able to play a high-quality full schedule, the same number of games other teams will play. Now, uh, he didn't say exactly how many games in that full schedule it would entail, but, I mean, if you can put Power 5 teams to the map on it, then you're doing all right. Um, but he does like the idea of playing, and of course he does, but like the, the conference plus one model. And he says, quote, you protect those, but other, but other than that one game, you build your schedule around conferences. He said, We'd love, we would love to uh, Wisconsin to still be able to uh, play Notre Dame in Lambeau this year. That's their plan. Or Arkansas to still visit. We just have to see how that evolves. I'm not concerned about our ability to have a challenging, robust schedule, even if, conference, even if conferences go to only conference game. Yeah, so if you're BYU... And there may be some schools that will still play you and work them work you into your schedule, but yeah. others that don't, do you just have a forfeit that week? Yeah. So here's their just have an open open Saturday, and it just goes as a sorry forfeit. Yeah, Nothing so here's, happened. Here's their schedule. They are at Utah, host BYU or excuse me, host Michigan State at Arizona State at Minnesota. They get Utah State. Missouri, Houston, and we'll put Northern Illinois and St. Louis, Boise State in there as well. Okay, so in, B- in Notre Dame's case, you could say the uh, we hope the plus one works because a lot of those schools would still want to play Notre Dame. Oh yeah, Go outside of conference. But BYU, how many other schools on the schedule say yeah we still need BYU on our schedule? Okay, though, so that's a really good question. Utah, Utah State would probably still have them on their schedule. BYU, yeah, Who Utah, uh, Boise State, I think would. I think Boise State would love to have them back. Um, San Diego State, I'm not so sure about. Missouri, I don't think would be interested. I don't think no. Michigan State's interested or, no. or Minnesota, right? No. Be crazy? Houston, yes no. or no? No? Even at BYU? Why, I don't for think some so. reason. For I would so- think, I mean, I don't know what Houston's non-conference schedule looks oh, like. Oh, and by the way, their final game of the year at Stanford. Yeah, Stanford's not, I, I don't see that. Because winning a game at BYU is a credible win. I hate to say that. But if you have a chance to play another Power 5 school in a non-conference uh-huh. type rivalry situation that's sure. on your schedule, you have to make a tough decision. Are we going to play that Power 5 school or, or play, BYU? So Stanford, has said, so then you're right. I like what you said then. Does Stanford choose between Notre Dame or BYU? Right? That's, I mean, that's what they'd Notre have to Dame. pick. Notre Dame. All day, every All day. day. Uh, Boise State. Uh, I mean, you, I don't know what's you, on their schedule. I have to look it up. I almost take that game. Uh, Missouri, they get. I believe they got Kansas this year, and that's a that's a rivalry that used to be way back when. I mean, twelve years ago in 07, when they had those two Heisman chasing quarterbacks. Uh, Boise State schedule, Eric, is Marshall to begin at Marshall. Uh, then it gets San Jose State. Let me sure. Oh no, I'm camera this wrong. Sorry. So they open up with GA or Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern at Air Force in week two. Wow. They got Florida State on their schedule, at but home. again, Florida State would have to say yes. We still want Boise State on our schedule. While Boise may say we still want to play you Seminoles, Florida State would have to have that same feeling. But Florida State would, Florida right? State may because say, we Florida want to play State, somebody else non-conference. Yeah, but Florida State got beat at home by Boise State 36-31 last year. You don't think they want to go to the blue turf and, and smash them and restate their dominance over non-Power 5 teams? But again, it gets to, if you can only play one non-conference game, does Florida State want to make that trip to Boise? Or do you play Florida because they're an SEC opponent? Or, yeah. Because Florida State, they play West Virginia. Um, Wait, Florida State plays West Virginia? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Here's, uh-huh. so here's Notre Dame's schedule. Pittsburgh? Yeah, see, I, I'd almost erase Pittsburgh. I get Pittsburgh out of there. So Notre yeah, but Dame's it's another got, Power 5 school. But Boise it's a, is not. I'd rather play BYU than Pittsburgh, or I'd rather play Boise State than Pittsburgh. 
Pittsburgh's not going to do you anything. It's not going to move it's the meter. It's another Power Five school. Yeah, but yeah, it but will rec- it will be it's recognized a low power better. Five. Beating Boise State is a bigger deal than beating Pittsburgh because Boise State is this top G five team, right? I mean, they're a loaded G five team, and you're talking about a bottom of the pile Power Five team. Like Pitt doesn't move the meter. Beating Boise State at Boise State that's going to get you some cred. But what it what this illustrates though is if you do the conference games plus one, the others the that non conference game you may be wanting to have that other school has to agree that that's going to be their non conference yeah. game that they want to have on their schedule. So it gets really complicated, I think. Yeah, no, I with you. I with you because you may have a desire to be have this one game as your plus one, but that other school has other plans, and so you have to go a little bit lower on the totem pole yeah. about what you have to settle with as being your plus one. Uh, that's a great point. Kind of reminds me of being in high school. <laughs> Why so? Because I was always lower on the totem pole on who they wanted as their plus one. Oh, dude, I didn't even get invited. I, did, I wasn't <laughs> even considered as a plus one, so you know what? Good for you. I, I never even got that opportunity. No, but this is a really interesting thought uh, that Notre Dame is is trying to put out there. Um, and as an independent, I can understand why they they would want to put this out there. Because if not, third season's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, how many independents are there? Five or six? Uh, I think there's five right now. Uh, now I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna do my research because now it's gonna bug me. I know there's, I want to say there's five. Uh, let's where to go. Here we go. Uh, seven. Liberty. There's seven. BYU, Army, Notre Dame, New Mexico State, and UMass. The really, there's one team that has a chance of having a somewhat regular season, and that's Notre Dame. BYU has maybe a half decent chance. Yeah, so if you're BYU, but what, I don't see anybody. Maybe Army will pick up a few games here yeah, and there, but I, New Mexico State, UMass, Liberty—they're not getting anything. No way. There's no way. Any, there's no way because if you look at, uh, in fact, I was looking at this just barely, and I wish I wouldn't have left the page. Um, if you look at their schedule for 2020, they've got Connecticut. Troy, who's in the Sun Belt, Appalachian State, Albany, New Mexico. New Mexico ain't going to, in fact, they got UMass at home. New Mexico does. Uh, Temple, Akron, FIU, uh, Auburn on November 14th. So you're looking at like mid-conference towards the end of conference, and Auburn's going to be like, uh, UMass, you don't use for $2 million. Thanks for Thanks for the invite, but we're not going to take it. Okay, so I had a bit of a brain fart there. Florida State and Pitt are in the same conference. They're both in the ACC. Sorry, big apology. I could have told you. Yeah, but you said you were. You didn't correct me earlier. You were along with us. But I was just trying to help you. Uh, but yeah, I, but here's the other thing: is what is so B- for that for Florida State? It wouldn't be whether or not to play Pitt. It'd be whether or not to play West Virginia or Boise State. See, I take West Virginia then. Yeah. It's, it's closer uh, in I, yeah, region. I would, it's a good program. It's a great their body it, of work is going to be that solid. Is West Virginia? Do you know? Oh, I guess they probably haven't. Maybe they've decided by now, haven't they? If that well, the com- yeah conference schedules are already set. West Virginia's in the Big Twelve. That game would be at West Virginia. I'd take West Virginia in a heartbeat. I love Boise State, but I would take West Virginia. That's that's too good of a game to say no to, and they well, and they have Florida on their schedule late in the year too. Oh, it's geez. a non-conference. So what is BYU going to do? Like now, you're going to have to fill your games with. I mean, you're you'll probably get Utah. Does Utah State play BYU? I I, I would imagine no. I think Utah State would. How they fit it though with their conference games? I. I'm sure they could get it figured out. Because if you okay, actually, you know what? You're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That I, I so yeah, you're, I'm pretty sure so that you're Utah State and Boise State could figure it out. So you're telling me that Utah State would say no to Washington State and Washington 
No. We'll take the BYU game. I don't think that Utah State would say no to them, but I think, think they, they would say, say no, no to, to Utah, Utah State. State. Okay. Because schools like that would rather play a Power 5 school non-conference if they only got one one game out of conference, they would look at their non-Pac-12 game that they'd want to try to preserve if that's what it's going to come down to. Again, this is a, based on the idea that's being floated at Notre Dame suggesting that conferences can do conference games but add one non-conference game. That would help them salvage a season. So you'll take BYU, yeah. And it would help salvage some traditional non-conference rivalries. Yeah. So it's not totally for selfish reasons, though he's using that as the guys to support and uh, you know, um, let his uh, football season survive in some sense. My, my gosh, I'd want another crack at freaking BYU at their place. Get, I want another crack at that. We weren't right. We weren't right. Mentally or physically, we weren't right. That LSU game messed us up in so many ways. And then, you I mean, you got Air Force, and I just, it was, it was a disaster. Give me BYU again at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You'll get a different result. Hey, coming up here in just a little while, uh, we have an opportunity to talk to Phil Olson. I'm sure he had some great memories of yeah. battling and beating up on BYU back in the day. Uh, but he's also, more specifically, what's interesting in our, for our conversation with him he is the last Aggie to be drafted in the first round since, uh, or until Jordan Love was drafted here just a few weeks ago. Um, so interesting what he kind of walked into in the NFL, some of the uh, pressures and, and expectations that were put on him because of his brother. Uh, so maybe not totally similar, but there are some similarities with what uh, he's walking into. And, and apparently there's... There's maybe an additional, more modern connection with Phil Olson and what's going on with Jordan Love. So we'll, we'll touch base on all of that with him. We literally look forward to that conversation coming up at 4.30. Uh, we'll also get into, uh, there's been several different NFL moves lately with quarterbacks. Some guys who were starters and are now backups. And for other uh, starters, uh, their jobs may be on the line. Will they be able to survive? So will we see the same starting quarterbacks at the end of the NFL season compared to what may look like at the beginning of the NFL season? So we'll look at that as well coming up a little bit later on here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. And hey, just two things real quickly. Got a note from uh, the Utah High School Activities Association. They held a board meeting or board of trustees meeting today. And uh, there's this let let us play petition. We talked about this a few weeks back. Uh, kind of a lot of uh, spring sport athletes trying to appeal, saying, "Hey, look, let us let us play." Things maybe aren't as bad as we thought they were, uh, especially some of these sports where there's social distancing built in. <coughs> but um, basically, the UHSAA has, is saying, look, we're, we're not going to change anything. And they says that uh, we they reaffirmed the April 14th board decision to cancel all sanctioned activities for the 2020 spring season, including state championships. Um. So they're considering um, the fall or the, the next year, next year's season. That's what they're, they're uh, looking at um, and uh, trying to figure that out. And uh, they will allow those sports to, to start to happen once all 29 counties in the state move to a yellow status. Right now we're in an orange status. Um, so not until all counties go to yellow will fall sports be able to begin, basically. We'll be there by the end of August. Well, I sure hope so. Some sports begin mid-August, but, um, yeah. But again, it goes back to, Eric, it goes back to this. Like, when summer football can start, and they're not allowed to start because they're in this, we're still in this pandemic or whatever, 
they're going to be in a delay as well. And coaches won't have time to be able to work out with the kids, to be able to put together their roster and their depth chart and all that. They're going to make him wait. And they're, they're in, that's a huge dilemma for them as well. Yeah, bottom line is spring sports are not going to happen. They're yeah. reaffirming that decision that they made. I texted uh, John Oglesby early during this petition. When it, well, I guess the early you know, start of this petition, I said, uh, how serious do you guys take it? And he said, look, we made a decision, and we're going to do what's best for the kids. When we made that decision, it was what's best for the kids, and it's the safest thing to do. Um, so he didn't say yes. He didn't say no, but he said there. I mean, he more or less told me that you know it's what the decision we made is what we're going to be sticking with. We're not going to just turn around because there's a petition. Do we appreciate the kids' desire and passion? Yes, but we got to do what's best for uh, these these young young kids. Uh, another interesting note: you were talking about uh, Boise State a minute, a minute ago. CBS Sports has put together their preseason top twenty-five. They have Boise State at number twenty-four. Yeah, Boise State could be a challenge uh, again. And we go to Boise State again this year, don't we? I guess I say again. But we go to Boise State this year. <laughs> Every other year. Yeah, it's just what it happens. I just, man, it's such a tough place to play at. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to hear from what's going on this week in the NFL. And on the other side, a conversation with Phil Olson. He was an Aggie great to Logan High great. Had nine great years in the NFL. And uh, the last time an Aggie was taken in the first round until Jordan Love was drafted just a few weeks ago by the Green Bay Packers. We'll pick his brain and uh, get his, uh, his some of his memories about being drafted in the NFL and maybe what Jordan Love could be walking into. So stay tuned. That's coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. I'm Jason Horowitz with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The NFL community lost a legend on Monday. Hall of Fame head coach Don Shula, holder of the all-time record for wins as a head coach, passed away at the age of 90. Shula's teams only had two losing seasons over his 33 years as head coach, reached the playoffs in 19 of those, and captured one NFL championship with two Super Bowl titles. The crown jewel was his undefeated 1972 Dolphins team, a feat that has never been duplicated. The NFL announced that it will not play a game outside the United States this year. The league's five scheduled international games, four in London and one in Mexico City, will instead be played stateside due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. And few selections during the 2020 NFL Draft were more surprising than the Eagles picking Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round. Carson Wentz says he has not been bothered at all by the choice. Wentz says he's spoken to Hurts briefly, heard nothing but great things about the rookie, and is excited to add him to the fold. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. While you can't believe everything on social media these days, you can believe it's possible to start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Instead of waiting to see what happens when life gets back to normal, take control of your future now. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. This moment of gratitude is brought Brought to you by Rocket Mortgage and the Rock family of companies. We really want to thank my wife's cousin Marie, who works so hard as a nurse saving others. To those who leave their homes to keep us safe in ours, thank you. And yeah, you guys are awesome. We're sending all our love, gratitude, and hope your way. Thank you. If you'd like to thank America's frontline and essential workers, visit everyoneknowsahero.com. Quick and Loans LLC, NMLS number 3030, licensed in 50 states. Each legal entity that identifies themselves as part of the Rock family of companies are separate legal entities with their own governance and management structures. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Did you see the email that you... Are we on air? You do that to me all the time. You don't even warn me. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106 on the fan at 1390 AM, 106onthefan.com. Hope you're having a wonderful uh, Tuesday. Beautiful day outside. Get outside. Go on a walk. Stay socially distant, though, please. Uh, we're hoping to have Phil Olton on here in uh, in a few minutes. We're, we're working on uh, contacting him. Uh, going back to... Uh, going back to the college football schedule. The biggest worry I have 
is that you're going to get robbed of a bull bid. Um, or at least a couple teams will with decent seasons. Even if you have two teams, three teams at, you know, with seven win seasons, but in your conference, but there's only so many bulls available because you can't, I mean, they shorten the season to, to just conference games only. You're going to get a couple of teams who are going to get hosed out of a bull bid, even though they had a very successful season. And it's just kind of been the theme this year is that senior athletes have been robbed of the opportunity to play postseason. Obviously, college basketball, college World Series, college softball, all the college athletics, you know, had someone to get robbed. And that could be a problem this upcoming, th- uh, this upcoming year. Another question, and we talked just a little bit about this uh, as Eric was talking about the UHSA reaffirming their stance that they would not continue spring sports. High school football. The chances for high school football to actually be played. And what, uh, and what happens if, if all 29 counties, I guess a few of the 29 counties, are not in the yellow status? Then what do we do? Are we taking away football season? That's, that's and, and I said, I, and I feel that I think we're going to be there in August, that we'll be all right. By the end of August, I think we'll be okay. But uh, also there's that thing, you know, where we, in in April, or excuse me, in March, we thought, hey, this thing will be over by May, and now we're here in May, and we're still in this limbo mode. And so a lot of questions still yet to be answered for high school football and whether sports will be played or not. But again, we'll just take it one day at a time. So, Eric, we got a guest. And to that, we got the high school football schedules were released. Yes. So, maybe tomorrow we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. With still questions of whether or not they'll play. Uh, Because we still don't know. But, we can talk about things that did happen already in the past. We can reminisce on those things. Phil Olson joins us now in the Full Court Press. Uh, Phil's an all-time Logan High great, Utah State great, nine great years in the NFL. Phil, uh, thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, And and first of all, uh, really appreciate uh, your connections to Utah State, uh, checking in. Uh, I know that um, you were part of many broadcasts over the years after your NFL career with our good friend Bob Apoon, who helped us uh, arrange this interview. So I always appreciate your insights and and what you see on the field and, and what's been happening around Utah State Athletics over the years. Well, thank you. And, you know, I had the opportunity to to uh, be part of uh, covering the the Aggies uh, uh, with Bob Apoon for four years, and so we had a uh, four years of broadcasts that were very special, and really enjoyed uh, doing that. Uh, I had a chance to travel with my brother Merlin for twelve years doing the NFL on on TV, and and uh, really developed an appreciation and a respect for what goes on in the broadcast booth and. So I was able to bring some of those things to the broadcast booth uh, at Utah State, and you know we had a we had a really good run. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So you were the the last Utah State football player to be selected in the first round, which seems crazy. It's been such a gap of years between you were selected in the first round to when Jordan Love was selected just a few weeks back. Uh, just describe to us that that experience of all the attention and and. Uh, and focus on you and, and your career, what you're able to do in the collegiate level, and then being able to go as having one of the one of the first names called uh, and uh, selected in the NFL draft that year. Well, uh, the draft has changed a lot since uh, since then, and uh, um, back uh, in 1970, I mean, the NFL, most of the NFL teams, I think all of them had been through. Logan and had uh, I'd had a chance to meet with most of them and so uh, I we had a pretty good indication that I was going to be drafted uh, in the first round by by someone that we had I had hoped that I would get drafted by the Denver Broncos so I <laughs> I wanted to stay you know in the in the Mountain West and uh, so we had some some favorite teams and we had certainly talked to them and. And uh, uh, Denver had indicated that if I was still available when they drafted, that I would get, be drafted by the by the Broncos. But uh, I was drafted. Uh, I was the fourth player picked in the 1970 draft. Uh, Terry Bradshaw was the first player taken in that draft, and uh, Mike McCoy, a big defensive tackle from Notre Dame, was the second player taken, and then Mike Phipps, a quarterback from Purdue, 
was the third player taken, and I was the the fourth by the by then the the Boston Patriots. Yeah, that Patriots team. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Patriots, whether they're in Boston or New England. More so, New England. No offense. <laughs> uh, uh, Phil, Audrey Salveson here. Grateful to have you on here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for your time. Uh, Mike McCoy, just mentioned him. You guys had a relatively similar, uh, I guess, connection, and it's unfortunate as well. You got a chance to participate in the college all-star game in Chicago, Illinois, and McCoy's the one that uh, that had fell on your right knee, I believe, and I think it ended your 70 season. Uh, I don't mean to bring up that memory, but I did want to ask about the college all-star game. What was that like? Well, it was... Uh a great opportunity to be uh, selected to play in the college all-star game it was uh, i don't know whose idea this was to bring the the best college players in the around the country together in in, in chicago and then play against the the that year's uh, super bowl champions and uh, you know that year it was the kansas city chiefs mm. and uh so it was it was a great opportunity to meet a lot of these these wonderful players from big schools and uh, around the country and uh, to get a chance to spend some time with them and you know as you mentioned it was uh, it was very unfortunate that Mike McCoy fell on my leg and um, so I had to have knee surgery uh, you know before my rookie season even started and you know back then knee surgery was done considerably different than it's done today and so. Uh, I ended up missing uh, my rookie year as a result of having to be in a cast for eight weeks following that surgery. Oh, eight weeks! Oh my wow! Uh, so we that your situation because of of that injury makes things a little bit different. Uh, in, but when it still came time for you to be able to play for the first time in the NFL, uh, how? Maybe, as you suggested, times there are different now, but there's got to be certain expectations, maybe pressures, on players that are selected so high, and especially in the first round of the NFL draft. And how might that apply to what Jordan Love may be going through today? Well, I think you're right. I think there are very high expectations uh, placed on uh, anybody that's drafted in the first round. And you know, I was I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to come back from that knee surgery and to be able to play as long and as well as I did. Uh, you know, and during the after my rookie year, I was able to to uh, we were the Rams were able to work out a situation to get me uh, to get me to the Los Angeles Rams. So I had the opportunity to go and play for the same team that my older brother Merlin was playing on, and so that was a that was a real. Uh, uh, you know, exciting time in my life. But, you know, I was fortunate to be able to earn a starting position, and I'll, I'll never forget my first game in the NFL. We we played uh, in the college, or we played actually in Canton, Ohio, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame as their, their Hall of Fame game, and we played a, a game against the uh, the Houston Oilers in the, uh, in their, in the stadium there, and uh, I got my first quarterback sack in the NFL in that game and that was a that was a very uh, exciting uh, thing to uh, for me and uh, it's great to have the opportunity to play uh, on the same team and on the same defensive line with my brother uh, looking back at that uh, that 1971 season uh, of course as you already mentioned you, you played with your brother Merlin uh, you're younger the youngest other brother I guess that uh, Oren also played for the Kansas City Chiefs and at one point it was the first time ever that three brothers, played in the league together. How memorable is that? With all the memories, the great memories you have, to have three brothers in the league together, it has to be special, Phil. Well, I, I, well it was. It was unique. Uh, I think there have been some other families that have had three uh, uh, brothers play, but not at the same time. So that was really an unusual situation for all three of us to be playing at the same time. And I was... Uh, in Denver with the with the Broncos, Merlin was uh, in L.A. with the Rams, and Oren was with the Kansas City Chiefs. So we had a chance uh, uh, with the Broncos to play against the Kansas City Chiefs twice that year. We beat them twice, and and uh, I think 1976, and that was really a special memory for me. Not only playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, but having the opportunity to to, to beat them because they had a real good football team uh, in 1976. Having your brother Merlin in the league with all of his successes that he had, how much of that helped you? How much of that, perhaps in some way or form, may have hindered you? Well, I think you know the, the, 
uh, same would, would have been true for my for our younger brother Oren. I just it puts the spotlight on you, and so a lot of people know about you, but you still have to play. And if you don't, if you're not able to play, it, it won't help much at all. In fact, it, it will it'll hurt you. But I think that for me, having an older brother do so well in college. Uh, and be drafted in the NFL. I think as I was coming, because Merlin was eight years older than I am, so he had been, uh, he was already into the NFL before I got out of high school. And so I think uh, a lot of colleges around the country uh, had heard about me uh, because of my relationship with, with Merlin. And so it meant that a lot of schools were, were coming to watch me play and were uh, asking for game film and were uh, trying to talk to me on the on the telephone. I was absolutely amazed at the the number of uh, scholarship offers I was getting coming out of Logan High School from uh, schools all over the country that I really knew nothing about. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, the fact that Merlin was my older brother. But you know, as I as I said, you, you know, it it puts the spotlight on you and. Then you know you have to be able to play because if you if you can't if you can't play it's it's not going to help. So so I think that and that Orrin experienced the very same thing as he came out of high school and was recruited all over the country and you know he uh, uh, my parents had actually moved to Orem Utah and so he was he was uh, playing football at Orem in the in the uh, the shadow of of BYU down there and and uh, somehow some way they were able to convince him that that's where he needed to go to college and you know he's the only one there are nine of nine Olsons I have I have three brothers five sisters eight of the nine uh went to Utah State and Oren was the only one that that uh that didn't and you know he went to that uh, that school somewhere south of <laughs> we won't we won't mention that name good, sure good, good call phil down, yeah. hey, <laughs> i gotta ask you i know times were different your situation was different because you were able to earn your starting position because you were just extremely talented you know he came in and just took advantage of the opportunity for jordan he's in, in a different situation as he backs up aaron Rodgers, uh future hall of fame quarterback what advice would you give to jordan as he can, as he starts his career behind a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, that's a great question. You know, I I think that my advice to him would be to to start right now, uh, to not waste any time. You know, that he needs to be a a, a student of the of the game, the, the professional game, and you know, I think he's he's fortunate to go to a program that has a, a history like uh, the Packers do, and. You know, I'm I'm very hopeful that Aaron Rodgers will uh, will receive him into, uh, into you know onto that team and will uh, be a good mentor for him. Aaron went through that uh, you know uh, when he came to uh, to the Packers when Brett Favre was the starting quarterback, I and mean, so he understands what that looks like. And so it's going to be interesting to see the the response that he gets. You know, I think there are a lot of, of people uh, in. Green Bay that were hopeful that they would use that first round draft choice to to bring in a, a another wide receiver or running back or something and so you know there there's going to be some folks that that aren't excited about the fact that he's going to be there uh, as a uh, probably a, a non participant in his in his first season but there's so much that he can learn and there is no question about the fact that that Jordan has extraordinary uh, arm talent you know I've talked to People that were at the, 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 the you know the combine, people that have, have seen him work out, people that have worked with him. I I've been to uh, Aggie games all the way through his career and seen him just do some amazing things. So there is no doubt about the fact that he has remarkable uh, arm talent. And so now it's about learning the game uh, of professional football, and and it's different than than college football. I mean, in, in coming all the way down to the size of the football itself, the football, the the NFL football is a different, a uh, little bit different shape than the college football, and it's a, it's a little different, throws a little bit differently. So, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can he can pick that up. You know, I think that for a lot of <clears throat> young quarterbacks that come into the NFL, one of the worst things that can happen to them is that they play too early. Uh, because as as you know, that a big part of of a quarterback's success comes from their confidence and their ability to complete a pass. I mean, so when you, you know, when you think about it, you know, throwing the the ball, you know, 
40, 50 yards downfield to a receiver that runs a 4-2-40 being covered by a defensive back that runs a 4-2-40 with wind blowing from left to right, you know, 20 miles an hour and, and you know, three defensive linemen and, a, and two linebackers getting ready to knock you on your backside, you know, if you don't have some confidence in your ability to complete that pass, there's a very good chance that it's not going to be completed because, you know, when you throw the football, there are only three things that can happen and two of them are bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, when I was uh, uh, com- conversing with Bob Apoon, uh, about uh, getting you, getting connected with you, he had mentioned that you have a connection with David Yost, uh, uh, the former offensive coordinator for uh, for Jordan Love. Well, David is a, a, a friend of mine, and you know I did some work with uh, Matt and that his staff when they were at Utah State, and I've been doing a little bit of work to with them at Texas Tech, and so yeah, I've been talking to to David Yost a bit, and you know uh, obviously about. Uh, Jordan and and his ability and you know uh, uh, Dave Yost is a huge fan of Jordan Loves and you know can talk to you uh, at length about uh, his his talent and his ability and and I think that Jordan really missed uh, Dave Yost in you know in as the offensive coordinator I mean they they I think they ran a lot of the of the the offense that uh, that Dave Yost had run. You know, two years ago, I mean, that, that the, average, the Aggies averaged almost 50 points a game on on uh, with with their offense, and a lot of that had to do with this amazing offense that Dave Yost was able to engineer. But he couldn't have never run that offense had he not had Jordan Love back there as the quarterback. It never would have worked as well as it did with with uh, Dave Yost calling the plays and and Jordan Love executing them. Phil Olson, legendary Aggie, legendary Cash Valleyite, legendary Logan Grizzly. You can go on and on and on about Phil Olson and his career. He joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Phil, what was the hardest transition to make when you went from college to the NFL for you? Uh, you know, it's a great question. You know, transition is, is always uh, difficult, you know. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, it, it was a big transition getting married and uh and moving to the east coast uh, to to boston that was a huge uh, transition uh i think that the the game uh i didn't find that as as uh, as difficult and complicated as i thought it might be uh i i realized very quickly that that i had uh athletic ability to compete with the players that were there and so that was because you know, that's always the question in a in a player's mind do i do i belong do I, you know, can I play at this level? And I think that for a lot of players coming out of high school, going into college, this is one of the things that that eliminates a lot of them is that they might have been the greatest player on their high school team, maybe the greatest, one of the greatest players in the in the area. But when they get to to college, every every one of those players that are there, you know, had a similar background, and so there's kind of a weeding out process of do I belong. Can I play at this level? And a lot of it is is not just athletic ability, but it's your your confidence in your in yourself. And so, as I went to the end of the NFL, I think that one of the biggest uh, changes transitions was really the just the all the the, the travel, the, the fact that it, you know that we were uh, the game was was um, more sophisticated, and uh, there, there was there was a, the training was was starting to. Get more complicated, and uh, so. Yeah, but I think the the biggest transition was really uh, getting getting married, and then moving to the East Coast. That was probably the the most difficult uh, part of that, uh, especially that first year. Phil, you've been generous with your time. Uh, one last question before we let you go. Uh, just professionally, now in your life after uh, football, your life after uh, broadcasting, as it were. Um, you've been doing some pretty interesting things with uh, uh, what you're doing uh, now, uh, helping people, um, kind of connecting the right dots with people and, and their abilities. Why don't you just quickly expound on that, what you're doing these days professionally? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I have a company called Know Your Strengths, and uh, we use assessment tools to help people to understand the uniqueness of how they are wired. And uh, so we've got clients all over the country, some international clients. We're translated into 21 different languages. So we have assessments that we use, which give us a look at 
the amplitude or intensity of what we call the four cornerstone traits of behavior, dominance, extroversion, pace, and conformity, you know, how people make decisions, how they process information, what motivates them, what demotivates them. So we work with uh, clients to help them to understand what, what are the profiles of the people who would be most likely successful working for them in different positions. And so we help them to hire the right people. We do a lot of uh, executive coaching. We do a lot of leadership development. We do a lot of job modeling. Uh, so, th- you know, that's pretty much what we do. We do a lot of work in athletics uh, as well. We've got some some uh, clients around the country. Duke University Athletics is one of our clients, and we've done a lot of work with Utah State University and and others. Uh, so, you know, that's that's pretty much what we do. But helping people to understand the uniqueness of how they're wired and to validate them in the strengths of who they are and to help them to understand that who they are is not only okay, it's great, but they need to be who they are and not try to be someone they're not. Wow, that's awesome. Well, well Phil, uh, great insights, uh, great uh, background. We really appreciate it. Uh, you've been a great ambassador for Utah State, uh, both on and off the field, and uh, appreciate the insight and, and time and how it kind of applies to maybe something that a current Aggie is is now going through as he prepares for the NFL uh, in his uh, venture into the pro leagues. So, well, thank you, and I, I am I am very uh, confidently hopeful that that Jordan Love is going to transition really well, and uh, he's a great young man. Um, very impressed with him, and uh, he's a, he's going to be an excellent ambassador for for Utah State. And you know, Utah State is a very special place. Cache Valley is a very special place, and. You know, they did a lot for me growing up as a kid and a lot for me uh, while I was at Utah State, and, and I love to come back, and I've, I've loved staying involved. And, you know, Utah State and Cache Valley has, has given me a lot, and, and I'm, I'm always uh, happy to be able to give a little bit back. Hey, thanks for your time, Phil. Appreciate you. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate Thank it. You. you bet. All right, that's uh, all-time great. Phil Olson uh, joining us here on the Full Court Press. Remember, you can catch the podcast of it if you miss parts on 1069thefan.com. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, and I.J. Salveson, great stuff from Phil Olson there. Very interesting perspective. I didn't realize he was in a cast for eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that drive me crazy. Dude, he backed up Jack Youngblood, too. The great vampire from the Pittsburgh Steelers curtain team. Yeah, great uh, Logan High product. Utah and, State and product, by the way, NFL he made it career. back to Denver. Through a trade, he made it back to Denver later in his career. Yeah, he still got there. Yeah. He still got there. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. As sports fans, we will watch pretty much anything. ESPN is putting that theory to the test. They just cut a deal to air professional baseball out of South Korea. First game was last night. The NC Dinos beat the Samsung Lions for nothing. This should be a pretty interesting experiment. Young fans seem less interested in watching American baseball these days. Will people tune in for South Korean action? It's a bit reminiscent of the early days at ESPN when they filled the airwaves with Australian rules football and dart competitions. Back then, we tuned in even though we didn't know the rules. Now we know how the game is played, we just don't know the guys who will be playing it in South Korea. It should be fun. Having some sports should be better than no sports at all. And who knows, we may become experts in South Korean baseball. Or at least it will give some night owls some much-needed distraction, which is about as good as we can ask for right now. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.